And we're now joined by four-time varsity letterman, Nelson Kameni. Hi, how are you doing? Four, right? Four varsity? Oh, uh, yeah, around there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have one, man. Honorary four-year cross-country, so. I mean, cross-country captain. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, well, we're going to talk about the uh, the last dance, right? The MJ documentary. Yes, and, sir, we are. And I, I would assume that will inevitably lead to the MJ-LeBron debate, so. Yeah, unless you just want to discuss how the documentary changes kind of the, the legacy of Michael or... Or do you yes. want to? Yeah. Well, we'll 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 see where it where it takes us. All right. All right. I um. So I'll I'll just start by asking you what what is your biggest takeaway so far from the documentary? I think probably is like like Michael's drive. You know, you see how he gets angry, how he gets super competitive. I feel like I feel like we don't. I don't see enough of that out of LeBron. Honestly, I don't see him. I mean, he's been trading his teammates away since he got drafted. But, I mean, I, I feel like Michael's leadership was questionable, but we saw the drive in him. You know what I mean? Like, early yeah. on in his career, it took him a long time to adjust of, like, oh, I'm not getting the ball. Oh, I'm yeah. not going to be the one scoring. Because when he, he had to adapt to Phil Jackson's triangle offense and all that. And I think that really I, – I think that really – got you and he's like oh it's not just all about me right now. you know what i mean right i think that oftentimes michael jordan doesn't get credit for being a team player and you know he's kind of looked at sometimes as a selfish guy but he really made his teammates better in order to beat those pistons and they really amplified that in the documentary that he worked really hard to get scotty pippen better and you know they're saying scotty pippen probably isn't scotty pippen without michael jordan and i think you know, MJ probably could have averaged 37, 38 points per game each season if it weren't for him stepping into the triangle scheme implemented by Phil Jackson. Well, Michael was already averaging around 36, right. 35 before the triangle right, offense was implemented. Okay, can you actually restate uh, yeah, what yeah. you said? You said that without Scotty Pippen. I'm saying that I think that the triangle offense forced Michael to be a bit and just generally Phil Jackson forced Michael to be a bit more of a team player, especially with guys like Scottie Pippen in there and not necessarily have the ball all the time. And I think that if, if they had been in the Doug Collins scheme for Michael's whole career, he would have been putting up probably 37, 38 points per game his whole career. Yeah, for sure. But you wouldn't also see the yeah. six championships on yeah, his I legacy because, because I, I honestly think that, the triangle offense fit the Bulls really well because of the amount of scorers they had around. They had Paxson, a really good shooter. They had Kerr, a really good shooter. They had Pippen, a really good scorer. They had Jordan, of course. And, I mean, Robin couldn't score the ball <laughs> right. out yeah. for, 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 for crap. But he was also a really good rebounder. So it, it, I feel like the triangle offense has really fit the Bulls and fit their whole kind of like the way everybody played, you know, that slashing attack in the basket. Because they they only had those two shooters, and like I said, in, in Paxson and, and Kerr. You didn't really see Michael taking jump shots outside. I mean, Scotty took it out there a few times. But he, the the Bulls were mostly a ground-and-pound type of team, like a, like a football team that mostly runs the ball. They would slash to the basket and do things like that. And you even saw it against the Pistons. 
how how badly do you want it? You only saw Michael driving to the basket, taking punishing right. contacts from the Pistons. You didn't see him take pull up jumpers. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was yeah. I feel like the triangle offensively benefited Michael and was a big reason why the bad yeah, boys went and, down. Yeah, and I think that Michael was honestly a lot better of a passer than people give him credit for. Um, you know, he averaged 11 assists per game in that first NBA Finals victory, which is still the all-time record in a final series. Yeah, yeah. That that was after uh, that that was after right. Phil Jackson told him to pass pass, pass the ball right. to Paxson, and he was wide open several possessions right. in a row. Yeah, and I you you see a lot of those um, great passes that he was dishing out, especially because he was such a great scorer that kind of led to teammates being open, and they were able to take advantage of that. Um, I wanted to ask a big topic that's kind of come up recently regarding the I saw it on ESPN was do you think that if it if it weren't for the bad boy Pistons would Michael Jordan still have had the career he had and be considered the GOAT or I I know that some people don't think he's the GOAT but just for argument's sake do you think he would still be considered the greatest of all time if it weren't for the um, physicality of the bad boy Pistons well honestly I'm I, I'm not sure because we could have seen a team later on that adapted. We could have seen a team later on that adapted the play style of the Pistons later on in the 90s and instead of like early on in the 90s because that style of play had been unseen in the NBA. People said it took away like the beauty of the game and whatever. So we there's just no way of telling. Yeah, you know? I, I find it interesting that um, the Pistons, I mean, I know that they obviously received a ton of hate at the time, and I wasn't around, but it's still, when you watch it, just ridiculous to think that the best player in the NBA, the most marketed player, you know, the the top-selling jerseys, pretty much the messiah of basketball, Larry Jordan himself called, or Larry Bird himself called him God <laughs> with a basketball. This guy's going up in the air and getting pushed when he's in the air, you know, shoved to the ground, just constantly beaten up, and it, it's ridiculous to see that the Pistons weren't condemned even further for it. I mean, it it's hard to imagine. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I think it's you obviously need to look out for the safety of your players. But I can't even imagine in 2020 a superstar being hounded to that extent. It just would not happen. I mean, it, it, there's different there's different ways of doing it, in my opinion, of being physical. There's a lot of tussle and pushing in basketball. It's just a lot of behind the scenes now, you know? Because if a ref sees that, that's an automatic playing grant or whatever right. in the alpha game or something like that. I, I think that refs are really soft these days. So I think players hide a lot of it. But if you actually go back to what what year was it that the Heat went on a 27 game? 2012, I, I believe. Yeah, so if we go back to that season – when you look at the Bulls game that snapped their win streak, you saw that they were hounding and yeah. hounding LeBron. They were barely letting him get the ball. They were wrapping him up as he was driving to the basket. They were just playing their way of physical basketball, you know, without the elbowing to the head and things like that. Right. You know? I'm not, yeah. So they were playing physical to the point where they wouldn't get suspended. Yeah, so. I'm not saying there isn't still physical physical basketball being played today, but you can't tell me that the treatment Jordan received from the Pistons is unlike anything we're probably going to ever see again. 
I mean, yeah, for sure, yeah, because it's it's just not allowed. I I also was reminded of the Pistons leaving the court with seven point nine seconds left after losing to the Bulls in the nineteen ninety Eastern Conference Finals. That's just something else you would not see today. I mean, after after the game in twenty twenty, players would be you know swapping jerseys and taking pictures for Instagram. Yeah, but I feel like the NBA is more of a community now, you know, because there's social media, there's there's right. there's the player tribune, there's there's just a bunch of places where different athletes can connect. But I just don't feel like they had that kind of connection back then. Everybody was kind of ring chasing. A lot of a lot of people now are are bag chasing, they're money chasing. Yeah. I mean, yes. if you look at uh like players like Anthony Davis, he wants his money, but he also wants his championship. But is he does he want the championship more than he wants his money? I mean, yeah, I think. We're going to find out this I, summer. I, yeah, I think you make a good point. It's like, it seems like players these days are more chasing sort of a personal brand um, that because of social media and everyone's kind of chasing their own little endorsements and brand more than we saw in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like the NBA back then was a lot more competitive than the NBA now. I mean, we saw the same team dominate for years. Not saying that, that the Bulls uh, going on a going on winning six championships in the 90s wasn't like dominance, but I guess there was just more competition in my opinion like the NBA was more heated at the time you know explain that a little bit explain explain the competitiveness yeah, yeah, of the yeah. 90s or well like you just, you just there's I just felt there were more rivalries at the time you know like and like there was like a triangle it was bird like they said magic and jordan like today, who would you think that triangle would be? Not sure. If you were to, yeah. So Steph, yeah, I mean, LeBron, Kawhi, it's just like those. Katie, I don't know. I mean, but the, yeah, but there's right. too many of them. You know, I just feel like there's too many stars in the league right now, like now. That it's just hard to tell like who's like who's the actual like who's the best player in the NBA. Like Giannis, you can. I mean, you were debating for Giannis the other day about him maybe entering the goat conversation in a few years. I mean, like, there's just. There's just too much, but in the NBA back then, it was. I feel like it was just Jordan, Larry, and and Michael. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Jordan, Larry, and Magic just competing right. for the same title of the best player in the NBA. You know? Yeah, I think I I agree with you on that one. Um, and remember, we have to do these little ten minute intervals because our the audio gets screwed up if we don't. So we'll get back to it in yeah. a second. All right, we're back. I'm hearing from my producers that the next topic is Dennis Rodman, the worm, the transvestite himself. No, just kidding. Um, so let me know. What are you thinking about Dennis Rodman so far? I mean, based on the documentary, I think he literally invented load, man- load management. Elaborate. So before I elaborate, what do you think load management means to you in terms of the NBA? Um, I would say it's players taking games off for reasons that are not um, health related or, you know, other other events going on in their life related, just more to save their time and energy, essentially. Do you mean like away from, do you mean away from like the I would team say, period? I would say... Anytime a player doesn't sit out, anytime a player sits out an NBA game and they're not, you know, unhealthy or their wife isn't having a baby or something like that, then that is load management to me. So, but what I mean by 
he started by Robin started the load management is I just feel like his uh, like assertiveness of being like I need a vacation. I mean, like what <laughs> if it, it, in his status too? Like he wasn't even like the top player in the Bulls. Like, right. He was, he was. I mean, he was in the circle of like the best players on the team, but he wasn't even like a top player. So like his like assertiveness of saying walking up to people and saying I need a vacation. And then give then giving him forty eight hours and then him go over that time. I just think that's absurd. Like if you yeah. were to do that in this in today's NBA, you're getting released, you're getting fined, and you're never gonna get signed again. Like that's what's gonna happen. I, think, I feel like yeah. go ahead. I think it kind of goes to show that Phil Jackson was such a great coach. I mean, most coaches in that situation say, Yeah, you, we're not gonna give you forty eight hours off to go to Las Vegas, you know? And he he blew past the forty eight hours. He he stayed there well past forty eight hours as they showed in the documentary. And so most coaches would just say, Screw you at that point. But Phil Jackson, you know, he knew Dennis Rodman's a guy that we want on our team in his right headspace moving forward this season. So we need to cut him some slack and give him some lenience to have him fully on board. So I think it was, to be honest, the right thing to do by Phil Jackson. Well, I think well, when you look at Phil Jackson's career, you see that him and Robin were actually really similar players. They didn't score much, but they were the really aggressive defensive players, the scrappy players, like the not the role players, but the players that would do a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like Phil really understood Dennis because, yeah, like they said earlier in his career, like Phil did – uh, he went on acid during his NBA career, which is just really weird. I mean, look at the guy. I mean, he doesn't look like a type of guy to do acid. So, so when when they said that, I was just like, yeah, I can see how he really relates to Rodman and how he really understands how, like, the NBA can be a stressful time. And, like, it can be – it's like the media. The media – I feel like the main reason why Rodman left in the first place was media. He just didn't want any interviews. He didn't want – he wasn't a fan of people who just – picking on him, picking on what he's wearing, picking on, like, who he wants to be type of thing. Right. So I feel like Phil Jackson really understood that. And I feel like Michael really understood that, too. But my, I feel like Michael was really against him going on that vacation because he knew he wouldn't have been gone. Like he, he would not come back. He would have yeah. came back within the time range. But I really think that's, like, the invention of load management right there. Letting a player go, a star player go on his own to Las Vegas – and then he goes over to time, and he comes back, and he starts, and he, I mean. So what do we think about Dennis Rodman in terms of, where, like, where do we place Dennis Rodman's legacy, and especially in regards to the Bulls dynasty, their second three-peat? I mean, the most uh, steals that he ever had in a season was .9. The most blocks that he ever had in a season was .9. Um, obviously, there's a ton more defense to stats, and he was a great defender and, and a great rebounder. But where do you sort of put him in that um, all-time classification and how he stacked up with the Scotty and Michael in regards to the Bulls dynasty? Well, I feel like he was a really important piece of that dynasty. I mean, you look at him on the Bad Boy Pistons, I feel like he really solidified himself there as a young Dennis Rodman too, which is – I think it's crazy how you, you just come in as a, as a young player and you already assert your dominance in the NBA. you like – when people play the Pistons and Dennis Rodman's guarding you, you're scared, you know? Like, he put that kind of persona on himself, like, in the early, like, parts of his career. And that's why I really thought that he would fit in really good on the, on the, on the Bulls because of the competitive nature that they really needed. Because the only – I feel like the only competitor that, they, that like, they really had was, was Michael because, I mean, Scotty was obviously a, uh, a money chaser, you know, a bag chaser. He wasn't really motivated by 
oh, I'm going to stay on the Bulls because I think we're going to win the title. He was really motivated by, I want to make money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like by the addition of Rodman, it really, like, it really solidified, like, the Bulls' competitiveness and, like, the energy of the team, you know? Because without Rodman, it just feels like the Bulls are quiet. It's just Michael. But with Rodman, it feels like, it feels like their voice is loud, you know, in the NBA. It's like we're coming for that championship. Exactly. Yeah, 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 I agree. You, you kind of touched on it a little bit in there, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the episode one and two, the big arc with Scottie Pippen and, you know, how he was getting screwed by the Bulls. So what is your take on the whole Scottie Pippen scenario in regards to his contract and treatment by the team? I mean, play well and you'll get paid well. I, I just feel like if he hadn't held out that season, he would have been a bull the next year. He would have signed a huge contract in the offseason if you just sat down, like if you really sat down with the GM and talked to him. I feel like I, I, if I were Scotty, I would have played out the whole season. I would have been like, here, look at my numbers. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. And we won a championship. Like, I mean, <laughs> what else do you – Yeah. What, I mean, what, what other points can you prove to a GM than that? I mean, there's your extension right there. That's what happens in the modern-day NBA. Teams win titles, the players get re-signed for a big bag, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I know that um, – I know that Scotty – that Michael Jordan said that he was being selfish, and I kind of have to agree. I mean, he, he, he was the one who signed a seven-year, $18 million contract while Michael Jordan was earning $34 million a year just from playing basketball, not even including a shoe deal, but – that that's what you get yourself into when you sign a seven year deal for that. I mean, it was. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I I really agree that he was being selfish. I mean, he put it on himself, and he he he, he submitted himself to the Bulls like like they owned him. So I, I just feel like I feel like Michael was really right when he said that he was acting selfish and he wasn't thinking about anybody else but himself. So right. I mean, and by yeah. the way, in the nineteen nineties, especially two point six million dollars a year for a guy is not not too shabby. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, I mean, $2.6 million for a player now today is right, yeah. not, not too shabby. Of course. Uh, I think that also goes to show just how great of a coach Phil Jackson was. I mean, Scott, like, I didn't even realize that Scottie Pippen held out for so long until this documentary. So you had Pippen, who was worried about his contract and holding out, and you had Dennis Rodman, who was flying to Las Vegas, and you don't know when he's going to come back, and obviously he's – a huge personality and you have one of the most intense athletes in the history of the world and you're managing all of that plus the role players on your team to win uh three i guess with rodman championships yeah yeah and you know jerry kraus the gm who you have to sort of navigate your way around because he wanted phil jackson out the door I mean, yeah, I mean, he's also, he's one, I feel like he's one of the every coach that he's ever had under him out the door. I mean, Doug Collins, I mean, Phil Jackson, whoever it was before that, I feel like he just, he just likes to throw people out the door whenever, whenever he yeah. felt like it. Even if things were going right, like Doug Collins led them to the Eastern Conference Finals, still went out the door, you know? Like it's right. They said, they said that, you know, Jared Krause was having little man syndrome and was, was unhappy that he wasn't the one getting all the attention. But it's like, come on, man. Like you're the general manager. You're not out there playing. You're not Michael Jordan. I mean I know, and you're you're still making a good course, amount of yeah. money too. So I don't I don't I don't understand what the complaints <laughs> right. are about. Like it was I feel like that's absurd. It seems absurd. Um the other topic I wanted to touch on was do you think I mean this this might just be me just thinking too optimistically, but do you think that there are any of the younger generation 
watching this documentary who didn't see Michael Jordan play in person, such as myself, who may be changing their minds and saying, wow, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Do you think the documentary does a good enough job of that, or do you think it's possible? I I think it's possible, but I also think that it, it's just really highlighting, like, it, it's highlighting the entire career of Michael Jordan instead of, like, that one year that they said they were going to cover. So <laughs> I feel like it, it, I feel like they said a lot of stuff that, like, doesn't really, like, it affects Michael, but it's not really, like, part of Michael's legacy, like, like Dennis Rodman, I mean, that's that's not yeah. that's not about Michael Jordan, you know, and like Scotty Pippen's contract. I mean, that's what it's been focused on so far. So I feel like it's too early to tell for people to change their minds if if LeBron or, or uh, MJ's to go. I mean, it's been four, it's four episodes yeah. in. It's like we need the rest of the six to figure that out. I mean, at the same time, we saw Michael put up sixty three on the Celtics, sixty nine on the Cavs, hit that game winner in the playoffs against the Cavs, um, score thirty seven points in a game. I averaged 32, 8, and 8 in a season. People forget that he averaged 32 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists in a season. I mean, I, I know that LeBron gets all the credit for being an all-around player, but 32, 8, and 8 is not too shabby. Yeah, yeah. We can discuss this in the all next right. interval. So I was just saying I think that uh, MJ is a lot more all-around than people give him credit for. And I think we've kind of exhausted some of the last dance topics for now through these first four episodes. So, I, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and make a statement that I honestly think that Michael Jordan, when you take in turnovers into account and you take in defense into account also, I think he's a better all-around player than LeBron James. I, I just think that's really wrong. I mean, before Phil Jackson, he needed a coach to tell him that he was holding the ball too much. I mean, it, it's – I've never seen a coach tell LeBron you're hogging the ball. I mean, come on. I've never, I've never seen a coach just center an offense around one guy. I mean, I guess it's the team was centered around LeBron in his earlier years, but come on. At least he had teammates. At least he passed the ball to his teammates once in a while. While Jordan was continuously just attacking the basket, grabbing the ball from his teammates, saying, I don't want the ball in your hands. I mean, like, it's – but. Yeah. I feel like he was a really – I honestly think he was a really shitty teammate early on. <laughs> but what we've seen is that when Michael Jordan had to pass, he was more than capable of doing it. When he knew that it was the smart play to make and the right thing to do, he would do it. I mean, he had to be told by Phil Jackson to pass the ball. I've never, I've never heard a coach tell LeBron pass the ball. He told, uh, he, he told Phil Jackson, you know, in that NBA Finals game, Paxson's open, we got to get it to Paxson. No, actually, Phil Jackson told told him that. Well, we can. I I've heard it both ways. I mean, I've heard that Jordan said it. I've heard that Jackson said it. Who really knows? But the point is, I mean, in the documentary, they said that that Phil Jackson told him in a timeout that Paxson is open, give him the ball. Okay. Well, I. Either way, the point is that MJ, when he needs to, I mean, he's scoring all the time because he's he's so good at scoring. Like, why not? If you can drop thirty five, forty points on everyone's head, and you have the ability to completely take a game over, then by all means. But when you stack it up the way I see it, Jordan's a better scorer than LeBron. You can't really argue that. He's definitely a better mid-range scorer. Well, um, I feel like the mid-range is dead nowadays. Like, who – you don't really see a lot of players use the mid-range well, except players like KD and Melo, like the pull-up players. Maybe you know? Kawhi, but yes, that, that's true. But 
at the same time, if you say that, you can say that the three-point shot is way more prominent today, and therefore it's not really fair to say LeBron has a better three-point shot than MJ. I mean, it is fair to say because there were still three-point shooters back then. I mean, look at the two players on his own team. Scottie Pippen was shooting threes. John Paxson was shooting threes. Steve Kerr was shooting threes. I mean, his team was shooting threes. He just chose not to shoot threes. Not, not anywhere near the, the same necessity that it is today. I mean, Steve Curry is still up there in all-time history in three-pointers made and three-pointers, three-point percentage That's and cool. free-throw yeah. percentage. Steve, I'm pretty sure Steve Kerr actually might be number one all-time in three-point percentage. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't have the stats right now. I think, me, but I think he might be. He's, he's up there. He's up there. Either sure. way, Michael wasn't necessarily a bad three-point shooter. I mean, I can't remember what season it was, but there was one season where he finished number 11 in the league in three-point shooting. So, and I don't think LeBron's ever finished number 11 in the league in three-point shooting. So, we can look at LeBron versus MJ in three-point shooting, but we also have to account for the era and the fact that it wasn't – it was still a thing, but it was nowhere near as prominent as it is today. I mean, yeah, of course it wasn't as prominent as today because the 90s didn't have Steph Curry. Yeah. I mean, was the three-point as prominent before Steph Curry started making 420 of them per season? No. No. It was more prominent yeah, exactly. than the 90s. I mean, can you say that? I'm not sure. Because before before yes. Steph Curry, who were like the most dominant shooters, like Kyle Korver. Ray Allen. Ray Allen. I mean, who else can you name? Hito Turkoglu. Um, let's look at Mike Jason Terry. It's hard. What uh, I'm saying is it's hard to name it off the top of your head. Okay. Well, I mean. Yeah, it, it's Steph Curry revolutionized the game. I mean, that that's a topic for another day. But my point is that just like LeBron doesn't really need to use the mid range in 2020, MJ didn't really need a three point shot in the 90s, right? I mean, but it would have helped, wouldn't it? Yeah, sure. I'm sure if you, but that's the thing, it would help. And when he wanted to pull up from three, he sure as hell could. I mean, look at the 1990s. I mean, when LeBron wants to shoot for mid range, he can. His fadeaway shots. <laughs> his baseline faders, his it's, baseline it's, faders. Okay, but Michael Jordan is the best is the best mid range shooter of all time, and pretty much everyone would agree I'm, with I, that. I'm, or he's, I mean, he's at least I mean, up there. Jerry West, Jerry West, before the okay. three point line was invented, mid range okay. was everything in the okay. NBA. Well, Michael Jordan is undisputably one of one of the best, at least mid range shooters of all time, and my, LeBron isn't one of the best three point shooters of all time. When we argue LeBron versus MJ for mid range, it's MJ, and it's not even really close. When we argue MJ versus LeBron for three pointers, it's a little bit closer because neither of them was dominant at it. Well, yeah, I agree with that. So when I say that Michael Jordan is a better all around player, I said let let me go through this first, and then I'll let you you know say say what I'm I'm wrong about. But Michael Jordan, better scorer, in my opinion, from mid-range. And um, LeBron, I'll give him three points. But um, better defender, better at getting steals, better leader, better winner. Better leader? Yes. (laughs) Better winner, more clutch, better free throw shooter. MJ has a higher player efficiency rating, and he has more win shares per 48. I th- I say MJ's more valuable, and before you before you uh, before you jump on that, MJ has a higher value over replacement players. It's a stat called VORP per season than LeBron does. So I don't I don't even know how that stat can be measured. Like how does one measure that stat? I'd like to know. It's it's how the players perform, how the team performs when the players on the court versus when they're 
replacement players on the court, the average replacement player. Well, if we're talking about, are you talking about trade value or, or what kind of value are we talking about? No, I'm talking about how much value they bring to the game of basketball. And in well, other- that's different because, I mean, early on in his career, who was who else was on his team? Are you, what? What are you? Are you asking me who was on the Bulls in Michael's first few? Seasons? No, I mean like who else would have could have scored the ball before Pippen was on the team? Oh, hardly anybody. Maybe Charles Oakley. Exactly. He carried those, so, yeah, but, he carried those teams. He absolutely just carried those teams. So did, so did LeBron. He carried the early Cavs, but yeah, he still did it while averaging a bunch of assists and a bunch of rebounds and a bunch, and he was a really good defender too. Yeah, I agree. Jordan with the Yeah, better. and also when he said about a better leader, you see how, how much of, a, of an asshole, sorry for the language, he was to his teammates – I say later on in his career. Yeah, I mean, I, without Pippen, he was he was just complaining. He was just complaining, 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 complaining. I mean, it was just like we need him back. We need him back. I mean, it, it wasn't like it wasn't like he was being humble about it or anything like that. There, there were hardly parts of his career Jordan was humble about anything. I also see LeBron James sitting on the bench, shunning J.R. Smith in 2018 Finals Game One with his head in his hands when it's a tie game and we're going into overtime in a 0-0 series and he's upset that J.R. Smith made a dumbass play as though he's sitting there with his head in his hands, not talking to his team, not talking to J.R., just sitting there pissed, makes zero field goals in overtime, and the Cavs lose. And then he punches his wall into a hand afterwards and hurts his hand. That's not a So one instinct just makes up a whole player's leadership. One instinct. I'm not basing. It I can. Off, I, there's there's a bunch of instances where Jordan was just a shitty leader too. I mean, he trash talked his DM for years. His own GM, he trash talked for years. He was he was yelling at his own coaches. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I also don't think that uh, if LeBron was as great of a leader as MJ, I don't think he would be yeah, trading his teammates away. I don't think he would be shying away from big situations in the 2011 Finals. So you're telling me that the the team didn't consult Jordan before trading anybody away? Honestly, they definitely they did. did. I'm sure they did, but I don't think that – I mean, we look at Jordan purely motivating and elevating his teammates, which he doesn't get enough credit for. Everyone says that LeBron elevates his teammates and makes them so much better. When Jordan does it, it's a little more behind the scenes. You know, It's not as much here's the assist stats that he has. It's more behind the scenes of the work ethic and motivating his teammates to get better. Okay, but did they get better? That's the question. I mean, well, we got to look at the stats for that. Championships, so. I mean, with different players on his team. It wasn't just the same players every every year. I agree. I think he definitely made Scottie Pippen a hell of a lot better. I mean, Scottie Pippen just got better throughout his career. I feel like Scottie Pippen would have been a star in the league without Jordan on his team, honestly, because he would have scored more. He would have rebounded more. He would have gotten more assists. Like, it would have been better for him if he wasn't on the Bulls, actually. Um, I don't think he would have had more assists. I think that the year the year that MJ was not playing, Scottie Pippen averaged fewer assists. Okay, well he had he would have had more points then. He would have averaged more rebounds. Yeah. He would have been he would have been the star player. I mean he yeah. like they said in the documentary, he kind of invented the point forward type of look in the NBA. Yeah, I agree. Scottie Pippen was a great player, but we see MJ motivating these guys and he just had the command and the work ethic to to put this in full throttle and say it's time to win championships. LeBron, you know, we're looking at him hopping teams every every few years. What do you mean? He's played for the same – I mean, he's played Not for the Lakers. He's played for the I, Heat. But, I mean, you can't say every few years. I shouldn't years. have said – yeah. I, that was dumb to say every few years. I mean, but. you also can't say that he should have stayed on the Cavs early on in his career when he had 
who like the Cavs organization was such a mess. Like there was never a point where the Bulls were in that kind of a mess that mm. that, that forced Jordan to want to leave. I mean, LeBron left the Cavs when things weren't going well. MJ could have just as easily left the Bulls when they were getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, but he trusted the process. But I don't think the Cavs were were making much progress with the players that were on his team. The Bulls were still a young team. Jordan was still young at the time. He was very young. But LeBron, when he 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 was smart. He looked forward and saw where can I win a championship? Where can I where can I where can I get some chemistry with players? So he went to the Heat. And he, he got rewarded with two championships. I mean, what, what's wrong with that? All Michael right. Jordan could have done the same thing. All right. We'll get back to this um, after a quick break. All right. We're here back for one more segment. Was there something you wanted to expand on on your last point about LeBron joining the Heat? Well, like I said, like it rewarded him. By leaving the Cavs, I mean, I don't think he would have won anything if he stayed on the Cavs. I don't think the Cavs would have brought anybody in that would have been, I think, uh, like beneficial. Because think about it: if LeBron hadn't left the Cavs, the Cavs wouldn't have gotten Kyrie, because they would have a too good of a record to get the number one pick. Right. Well, I mean, Le- LeBron joins two All Stars, and to this point, LeBron hasn't won a final series without two amazing players by his side. I mean, so hasn't Jordan. That's who who were two amazing players on his side in the nineteen ninety finals, nineteen ninety one finals, nineteen ninety one finals. Yeah. Are you forgetting about Scottie Pippen and, and the rest of the team? I said two amazing players. First of all, Scottie Pippen wasn't even an all star that year, but I'll, I'll just I'll give you Scottie Pippen because I don't want to argue for that. But who's I mean who's the second amazing player on Jordan's side? I mean, Horace Grant was a pretty good player. Oh, God. so you're telling me that 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 Horace Grant and Chris Bosh aren't around the same type of player? No, I'm not. Okay, man. I don't know. I think you need to watch some Horace Grant's highlights, man. I, I'm <laughs> yeah. serious. You got to you got to check out his highlights. Horace Grant highlights. I mean, you could probably find them on YouTube. Come on, everything's on YouTube. <laughs> okay, I'll look for the Horace Grant highlights. Thank you. Uh, I know that also. You were you were talking to me yesterday about the Michael Jordan one in nine in the first round without Scottie Pippen, which is probably to date the worst a, record, <laughs> the worst first round record by any player in NBA history. It's got it's be. not even it's not even his first round record. It's the most cherry picked stat first round record without Scottie. I Pippen. mean, it's a playoff record, aren't the playoffs significant? Without one player and it. Like, who cares about the... I mean, it shows that he needed help. He showed that he needed help. Every star player needs another star player on the side. Yeah, I don't think anyone's arguing that any player ever has won a championship by themselves. Exactly. So I just feel like the 1-9 and really shows that Michael really needed help. When people said, oh, he carried his team. Yeah, he did carry his team. I agree with that. But he didn't carry them past the first round. I mean, it's kind of an issue for him. Yeah, I I mean I agree with that, but I think that that's um when we give we'll just say the the 2007 run for reference when we give LeBron that much credit earlier in his career and rightfully so for a 22 year old kid to quite frankly yes carry a team to the NBA Finals before getting swept four to zero in the finals of course yeah he deserves a ton of credit for that because he did carry the team but I don't think that that's much different. Than Michael Jordan 
carrying them in the first round and losing because they were playing the dynasty Celtics in the first round. You know, LeBron didn't face one of those types of teams until he got to the finals. So they both faced their roadblock when they were carrying LeBron. LeBron still had you face the Celtics though. I hope you, I hope he still had you face the Celtics as well in the Eastern conference with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and those guys. So I don't know what they didn't have Kevin Garnett in 2007. Uh, I, I, you might have to fact check that one. I mean, Jevin Lotto <laughs> next to you, I'm because I'm not sure, but I'm assuming that the Celtics were still a good team because I know they were a good team throughout the 2000s. My point is that the Spurs were the best team that year. The the uh, Celtics were the best team. Exactly. So he lost to the best team. Exactly. He lost to the best team in the NBA yes, that year. Exactly. So what's so wrong about him getting swept by the best team I'm in the NBA that this. year when he had nobody I'm around? I'm not saying there's anything. Well, you you pointed out that he got swept, so yeah. I assume that that's a critical point in your no. in your debate. No, I, I I don't blame LeBron for losing that finals. Just like it's the same thing. Le- MJ lost to the best team in the league that year against the Celtics. Just happened to be in different rounds. Yeah, but I feel like him taking the team to the finals is a lot harder than than him taking uh, is, is a lot is a lot harder than Jordan losing in the first round to the Celtics. But MJ in those series, I mean, when you look at it, he was averaging forty-three points a game in that in that series against the Celtics. And who else could have put the ball in their hand? Oh and my scored? god, it doesn't matter. It's forty-three points per yes, game. Yes, it does. I feel like it really does matter. And Michael Jordan did not face the Celtics all ten years of that of that no, one and nine. Nine isn't ten years. It's individual games. That just goes to show how cherry picked it is. It's not even ten years. It's in. It's it's it's, 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 it's individual it's games. It's not. Cherry pick. It just shows how inefficient Jordan was in success without Scottie Pippen. But there's no one in NBA history who has done. I mean, like if Jordan had, say Jordan had won that first round, people would have said Jordan can't, can't win without Horace Grant. I mean, people throw Scottie Pippen in there and kind of tend to overinflate him when we look at it and it, it revolves around MJ. That's just the fact. I'm sorry, but you can't say MJ without saying Scottie Pippen. They even said it in the documentary. You can't you can't think of MJ without thinking of Scottie Pippen and the Bulls. I don't think we would know who Scottie Pippen was if it wasn't for MJ, quite frankly. I, I, I don't think that's true. I don't think I still think he would have been an all star. He might he might have been an all star, but my point is that Scottie Pippen was a bench player. When when uh when Jordan finally did get out of the first round and he beat the Cavs, Scottie Pippen was coming off the bench. So saying that he because he was so yeah, young. exactly. But Jordan got past them. Jordan did get past the first round and go through the playoffs, and it wasn't because of Scottie Pippen. That'd be like saying, "Well, so are you telling? Yeah, but it, also it was the Cleveland Cavaliers. Are, are you telling me? Are you telling me that the Cleveland Cavaliers were to were dominate Eastern no, Conference team? Not at all. Okay, so what's so special about him beating the the Cavs in the first round? But LeBron didn't beat any powerhouses in the Eastern Conference playoffs either. Okay, well, let's look next next podcast. We're gonna have to look at the teams that Jordan's played and the teams that LeBron has played. By all means, we can go. I mean, I mean, let's save that for the for the for the next podcast. I'll see you there. I mean, we'll wrap it up here, and then I suppose. Next week, next Monday or whenever, we'll talk about whatever happens in the Last Dance episodes five and six, um, I would assume being about MJ's first repeat and then his hiatus to baseball. 
and then we'll just talk about we'll just we'll just continue this, this debate then I suppose. All right, yeah. man. Thanks for as always. Thank you for joining the show, and uh, I'll see you soon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.